I don't know about you, but sometimes in a holiday, when you have a holiday in the week, does it ever mess up your routine a little bit or your schedule? I mean, I'm, I'm getting, everyone's going, no. I mean, it was a disjointed week this week for me. I, I had a disjointed week, and it was nice having the, the day off, and PJ and I did some wonderful things together, but it kind of messed up the normal flow of the week. And as much as I like those things, and it's good and we need them, kind of messes up sometimes our studying things. And um, as you know, we're not in the middle of a series right now, so we're kind of like doing some topical messages, which I like to do, and in between. And so I had to wrestle with what I was going to preach this week. And you know, last week was kind of easy. We preached on baptismal because we were doing a baptism, you know, baptismal service, so that kind of made sense. And this week I'm like, so what's next? And believe me, it took me almost till Wednesday evening before I knew what I was going to preach on. If you'd asked me Monday or Tuesday, I would have been like, I don't know yet. I haven't got a message yet. So we're kind of jumping into, but God really gave me this passage of what comes next, right? You know, you, you get saved, you get baptized, you start your walk. What comes next? And I think this passage in 2 Peter refers to that of what comes next in our lives, what we are to be doing next, as believers, because we do have a responsibility. It's not just, hey, I got saved, I got baptized, um, even I found a good church, those are all good things, I'm done. No, it's a continuation of growing and continuing to grow. And I think Second Peter lays that out. Um, Peter, the apostle, um, I kind of like Peter in many ways. I don't know that I would want six elders that were Peters. It would be kind of rough sometimes in, in meetings, but, but one or two are kind of fun, right? Peter's impulsive. Peter's bold. Peter gets things done. But you know what? Peter is also courageous in many ways. You know, I always think of that. We always remember Peter in that story, right, in the, the boat, and Peter gets out and he starts walking on water. You know what, right? But Peter, fisherman here that gets out of the boat and tries that, it doesn't work, right? It doesn't, right? But Peter got out of the boat. I mean, he, he at least got out there and, and took that step and started. And he's the only one that, that did that. But like I said, you don't want a lot of those folks, but you do like that excitement and that willingness to get things done. I think Peter was one of those, he was a doer. You know, he didn't always think about what he was doing, but he was a doer. And there's some value in that. And so he pens this now as an apostle. This, second, this letter is a little bit later on in life. So maybe he's slowed down a little bit. Maybe he's matured a little bit. Maybe. Um, I'm looking around at some of you. Some of you have gotten older in age, but you have not matured much yet. So um, you still act up. And yes, Bryce, I was thinking of you when I was saying that as well. So. And some people could say the same about me. I know. I was just waiting for that. I didn't know who was going to bring that up. But Peter does mature a little bit. And again, as he's writing this, he's encouraging this church because they're facing a lot of challenges. And you know what? The same was back then. This is the same today. There are a lot of challenges that are facing us in our weeks, around us, outside, and even in the church itself. If you were at our men's breakfast yesterday, a band of brothers, uh, J.D. Greer mentioned this, right? We've allowed culture into our churches, and sometimes, you know, certain things are okay culturally, but then there's some things that are not okay, and they're just, they're not. They're the, of the world, they're not biblical. We get further and further away from the truth, and the importance of getting back to God's Word and the truth. Again, we can change some things, like how we dress, and pews or no pews, and hymns, all those things can change. But we got to be careful that we don't change the Word of God, and we don't change those core things that we believe and what God teaches us. And so that's the importance on the Word. And so Peter kind of reiterates that because 
the folks there are facing persecution, and there's a lot of false teachers pulling them away. And again, there's both Jews and Gentiles in these churches. I just want to be careful. When I say church here, I mean church. These are small gatherings that Peter is writing to, and these letters were circled about, as most of these were. So it's multiple groups of people. So let's dive in a little bit into 2 Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. And you can almost glance over that. If you're reading it real quick, you'd miss some of the nuances of this, even in this greeting, right? First of all, you have his name, you know, both his Greek name and his Hebrew name. Again, Peter's a Jew. Depending on the context, people would gravitate to that. Same person. I mean, some of you probably have nicknames or names that people call you, refer to. When I go back home to Maine to my folks, they call me Charles Blair. They call me by my middle name. Well, the reason is I'm the fifth Charles in a row, and my oldest son is a Charles. We, we just recycle the name because we kind of like it. But if we don't say that, when we say, hey, Charles, it's time for dinner, there's like three or four of us that get up and head to the table. So we kind of differentiate that way. Simon Peter's the same way. Depending on who he's talking to, they might identify more with his name. Same person. There's only one Peter. Only one Peter mentioned in the all of New Testament. So we don't get any confusion there. But he also identifies himself as an apostle. Remember what I said, there's a lot of false teachers around and people that want to distract. And again, he's saying, no, no, I am the one who is with Jesus Christ. Identification, also his authority comes from there as well. Kind of sets him apart from some of the other folks that are around and the things that they are teaching. And then he puts this nice little phrase in here, to those through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. If you follow along in your Bible, you might want to underline that. You know, is your faith precious? Do you value it? Is it important to you? Again, if you just read it really quick, you almost miss that, but, but Peter's saying, this should be the most valuable thing in your life. This is precious to you. It's precious to us. We hold on to it. Again, if it's important then we're going to do something about it. We're going to protect it. We're going, to, we're going to put it into practice. And that's kind of what we're going to look at this morning a little bit. And then the standard greeting, the next verse. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Interesting, he keeps mentioning knowledge, and we're going to see that word come up a couple of times. But knowledge is helpful. If you want to know something, you have to do a little bit of study. You have to, to know what it is. And again, in that time, the society and culture valued knowledge, but unfortunately, they took knowledge and put it ahead of every powerful person. You were the, the person that had lots of knowledge or was a great student. You were the most powerful person. You were the, the person that was quite often in charge of things. And again, there's nothing wrong with studying as long as we're studying the right thing and it doesn't become an idol. So knowledge is, is a key word in this, but we need to know God. We want to follow him and we want to be um, Christ-like. We need to know who he is, what he did, and that relationship is key to that. All right, next section. This is one of those sections in the Bible. I'm going to do it this morning. I'm not going to do it justice. I'm going to tell you right now because there's so much involved with these next few phrases. If you want something to study this week, study verse 3. You can study more than that, but study verse 3 this week. 
put that in there. That's one of those you might want to marinate on for quite a while. Again, that's the phrase that I like to word, marinate. Let it seep in, let it do its work, let the Holy Spirit work with you. But this next verse, I have an underline. I've had an underline, I think, in every Bible that I've owned because it's just one of those I need to go back to every once in a while and a reminder. But listen to these words. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Like I said, just think about that for a moment. Just take a moment and just let that for a second. God's given us his power, his divine power, everything we need. Amazing verse that, you know, again, the God of the universe wants to empower us to, to help us to live this life. And He's given it to us. No charge. I always struggle with this word godliness, right? Not that we become little gods, but godliness. That's one of those words that, it, you know, we read it, but it's kind of like, how, do, how, do we, how does that play out? How does that work in our lives? Well, I have to simplify it because, you know, I'm a simple guy. I really am. So to be godly, I need to be like God. I need to do the things that God wants me to do. I need to have his characteristics. I need to do what he tells me to do. I need to be obedient to those things. And there's much more. That goes a lot wider than that. But that helps me with that word. And again, one of those ways is our knowledge. And he mentions that word again, that knowledge. And how do we get knowledge today? How do we get knowledge of, of our Lord and Savior? Today, as believers, we're blessed. We have God's Word. We have the Bible. The other way is we spend time with Him, right? Talk how important it is to spend time, that relationship. Now, that's the great thing about once we become a believer, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us that confirms that, but we can just spend time directly with our Lord and Savior. We get to know Him. You that are married, you understand that, right? If you want to get to know your spouse, you need to spend time with them, right? And it's not just a little bit of time, because if you spend a little bit of time with anybody, I mean, you get a glimpse, but you don't really know who they are, right? But the more time you spend, the more you get to know them, especially you get to know them in different situations, right? Some of you may not know this, but PJ in the morning is not the same PJ that's in the afternoon, you know, if things change our lives throughout the day as her, as her busyness and things that happen. There's seasons in our lives and things, but it takes time. I was laughing even yesterday morning. We were joking. Uh, Ralph and Don just celebrated 20 years of marriage, and Dave and Amanda are coming up on 10 years, and that's something to be celebrated, and that's important in, the, in those years. But I guarantee, and, and PJ and I are at 30, and, and if you ask all of us, we're still getting to know our spouses. Guess what? Sometimes we totally miss. When they say something, we, we take it the wrong way. We don't know. We don't know exactly what's going on because we need to spend some more time with them. It's the same thing with our relationship with God. It really is. It's no different. We need to spend time with God alone. And again, spending time, but spending, for lack of a better term, quality time. Not only reading his word, but listening, talking, praying, conversing back and forth. That's how we get to know him. So that's part of that. And that's part of what he's given us is that power to help our lives. It's in his word. The answers are already there. We just need to search after them and go after them. All right. 
Verse 4. Through these things, he's given us this very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Again, another gift. He's given us some promises. And again, if you've read your Bible at all, and if you look through the years, God has always made good on his promises. He's never failed any of his promises. He's always made good. And there's some more promises to come. And so Peter is reminding them of that. Again, that, that those promises are, as a believer, entrusted to you. Again, if you don't know what all those promises are, I'm not going to tell you this morning. You've got to go back and study. It'll be another homework assignment. I like giving those out. Sometimes it helps. But I love the fact that he gives us some reason for it. Because it's an escape route. But you know what? Sometimes we get overburdened and we get, there's just so much going on in our world around us and we get overwhelmed. Right? If we can be honest, sometimes it just overwhelms us. If not, watch the news for a couple hours. If that doesn't overwhelm you, nothing will. Right? But even, even going out, even going out into our world, just even here in this area, right? we see corruption all around us. We see injustice all around us. We know it's there, right? And it kind of gets overwhelming. But we remember there's hope as believers. We're, we're not stuck here. We've been given a hope of a future. There's a promise of something better. We're just passing through. Verse 5. Kind of goes on with that same thought, and it continues on. For, it says, for that very reason... Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Now stop right there. Like I said, we don't stop at our faith. We don't just stop after salvation. We don't just stop even after baptismal. There's a pro- ten minutes to keep growing. And can I tell you, it doesn't matter if you've been saved for 10 minutes or 10 years or for 40 years, you need to continue to grow in your faith. There's a progression. And guess what? If you look at this list, these, these few items that are on this list, and again, it's not all inclusive, but there is probably some area you can look up there and say, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I might be struggling in that area. Or I haven't grown in that area in a while. I may need to challenge myself. Let's look back through these a little bit. Well, actually, before that part, it says, but make every effort. It takes work, right? Because I don't know about you. I can give in to my laziness. I can, I can, can certainly get, get, get and say, you know what? I, I need a break. I, I, you know, taking a, again, with the holiday this week, it was very hard to kind of re-engage on Friday and get back to, to, to studying and to working and doing things again. Once we have a little taste of that, we kind of want more of it. The more time we have off, the more that we, we tend to, to get into that pattern. But it takes effort, right? It takes effort to spend time with God. It takes effort to learn about God. It takes effort to study His Word. Purposeful. So and it's not just any effort He's saying. He says make every effort. You know, not lip service, but put it into action. And again, adding to our faith just means that it's, just, it's a growing faith. It's a continuation. 
It's not stagnant. It's not something that we do once and we're done. It's not a list to check off. But goodness. Goodness is another one of those words that it's kind of broad in meaning, but doing good. Now, can an unbeliever do something good? Yeah, right? Their motives may be, be wrong, but they can do something that's good. I mean, it's not impossible. It's, it's very possible. A lot of folks do good things. But here, as a believer, that goodness needs to be rooted in that I'm doing it as service for the Lord. I'm doing it for a different purpose, but also should be part of our character. That goodness should naturally flow out of us. It shouldn't be in question. Like when you see another believer or see you in your own life, you see goodness, doing good things. Again, that's a broad word. That can mean any number of things. So we need to check. We need to back check that. You know, what is God's words? What does God call good? Missions is good. Helping the poor is good. Helping the needy. There's a lot of good things. But we need that should be a characteristic that a believer, and it should be increasing. For lack of a better term, a more good. Keep doing more good or there we go. I, I knew I could get that in there somehow. Um, but goodness, again, mark of a believer, mark of a believer that's growing. And again, we've mentioned knowledge, right? Getting knowledge. Not knowledge just to puff up, but, but knowledge is more of an understanding. That I understand God's word and that I can put it into practice. And the more I know, the more I'm responsible for. Now, if we're studying for something, we, we, we spend time on that one area and we really work on it. And that's what Peter's encouraging us here to do as well, is to, to take that focus of studying God's word for the purpose of putting it into practice. And so we need to, to make that a priority. Self-control. Self-control. Another one of those interesting words, right? Having the ability to do something, but not doing it because it's not the right thing. Self-control. Holding back. Right? I had one of those instances just this week. There's a, I don't know if you heard in the news or not, but there were seven motorcyclists killed in, in New Hampshire this past week, and there was a funeral up there. And again, there was a big outcry. Um, we have a lot of friends back there, so we heard a lot about it, um, about watching out for people on motorcycles. And again, totally agree with that. They're hard to see. Well, sure enough, this week, well, that was fresh in my mind, I had a motorcycle cut me off in my car. And I'm thinking, you know what, I could have easily hit, hit them and knock them down. But my first instinct, again, I'm a New Englander and I've driven the city. My first instinct was to get on the horn. And I mean, I came this close to hitting the horn. But for the moment, and I can't say I always do this, but for the moment, I showed self-control and I didn't hit the horn and decided to give grace. But all these thoughts are running through my mind, and it's like, you know, this idiot, you know, here you are, you, you, people are dying in motorcycles because they get hit by, and then you have motorcycles that are cutting in and out of traffic. And again, I justified my actions, and I had to bring it back to the Lord and say, you know what? It was wrong even to have the thought. And even the fact that I did good on self-control, let me take it one step further. Take responsibility for myself. Maybe that man's having a bad day. Maybe that's just one grace. I need to pray for him. So again, I'm still learning that. But self-control, and that's just one area of many, right? I'm sure you, we all have our own areas of where we need self-control in. All right, self-control. Really, this, this is an encouraging message. Just, just hang in there. I'm not beating you up. I'm just, just going through these things in God's Word. Um, but it, it comes with encouragement, because remember the beginning of this. 
God's given us the ability to do these things. We just need to tap into that power. Perseverance. Perseverance. Doing something over and over again and continuing to do it right. Perseverance. Persevering when things are not easy, right? It's easy to do things when things are going well, but when things get tough, do we still do those things? Or when we get busy? I think that's probably more the, the case today is sometimes we, we fall out of the race or we, we, we get off track is because we get busy. And I tell you, everyone is busy. I, I don't, it doesn't matter if I talk to someone who's retired, someone that's in the middle, some, some even little kids now. Yeah, we're busy. Everyone is busy to a degree. And it's kind of become the acceptable that, yeah, we're, we're all busy. And I get that to a degree, but that cannot become an excuse to not persevere in our faith. We can't use that. When we stand before God, we can't say, hey, Lord, I was busy. Because I know what he's going to say in my own life. He's going to say, Charlie, you were busy, but you were doing things that I never asked you to do. So we have to examine that as well. So persevering in those things is important. Persevering in prayer, persevering in reading our word, persevering in spending time with believers, spending time with our family, those important things that God's called us to do. All right, I'm going to continue on here. Again, there's a lot here. We're just kind of going through. I've done actually a whole series of studies on these few verses, and I'm trying to give you just the mountaintops this morning, but that's what God's allowed me to do this morning. Godliness, and we talked a little bit about godliness and what that means. This next one, though, kind of takes it off the self and kind of puts it on the group setting, the church setting, in some ways. Although, again, I always, Scripture first, me, then I can apply it to others. But brotherly kindness, being kind to our brothers and sisters. Again, he's talking that family situation here within the church body, how we treat each other. Yes, we need to treat each other kindly. And you say, well, no, that's not hard, right? Sunday morning, we can do that pretty easily, right? It's easy to be kind. Sunday morning, it's only for about an hour, hour and a half, um, two hours here in Minnesota, because saying goodbye takes a little bit longer. I've got that. I got that. But it's good. I, I am in, actually learning to enjoy that. I, I make fun, but I actually enjoy that, spending that time. But being kind, but being kind means going above and beyond that, though. Not just being nice, but being kind, being willing to... Be kind during the week, being willing to be kind when maybe I have a disagreement with you or maybe I have a different view on something. Certainly, if you're on Facebook at all, you see if you have a different opinion about whether it's a political or something that's going on, it's harder to be kind, right? We tend to avoid. Again, in the church setting, it shouldn't be that way. We should be in fellowship, should be kind, we should be working those things out. And we can have differences. But that doesn't absolve me from being kind. And again, if that's not enough, I always think this one takes it up one more notch, right? The next step is love. Again, loving someone takes effort. It takes a lot of effort. Uh, and I'm not saying because you're hard to love, but it, it just takes effort in general. Again, if you look at the definition of love, if you want to study that out, 1 Corinthians gives a great picture of that. Love is patient. Love is kind. Not self-seeking, not keeping records are wrong. That's the, the, the Charlie version because there's more in there. doesn't envy, it's not proud. It's a long list and includes a lot. But loving someone is hard work. It's hard, especially when we have differences and we, we come at things from a different angle. We may have a different view. But we need to love. And that love needs to persevere. Again, that's part of this. And it should actually be growing. 
that we care about each other enough that we just we go beyond our differences and we continue to love. But you know what? We don't have to do this all on our own. Remember how we started this off, right? God's given us the ability to do that. We just need to tap into it. So it's not reliant upon me. I've got to make the effort to apply it, but, but really the source comes back to God. That's why it's key that verse 3 is, is so key to this passage is that's where the power comes from. That's where the hope comes from. I can do that if I'm listening to God. He can help me with those things. He can help me to, to love and to have self-control and to persevere in my faith. All important steps. Then he gives us a little caveat here in verse 10. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if we're not doing these things, I'm not going to be productive. I'm not going to be effective. To do, I'm going to lose my ability to speak in. I'm going to lose my ability to do these things. They're going to diminish instead of increase, and I want them to be increasing. So he gives us that. He says, I need to keep working. I need to keep working on these things. So you see, after salvation, things are not done. They're just actually beginning. That new life is a beginning of how I live as a Christian, how I behave, how I go through life, how I interact with my brothers and sisters in Christ. It matters. Because guess what? None of us want to be unproductive or ineffective, right? Nothing worse than doing something and then it's all undone. Two days ago, and parents, you understand that very well. I was laughing. PJ was sweeping the floor. She had just swept it two days ago. And I said, honey, why are you sweeping the floor again? I mean, we only have 500 square feet, and it's only PJ and I for the most part. I mean, Rachel's in the garage. I mean, it's not a big area. But you know what? She's sweeping quite often because between the dog and her husband who forgets to take his shoes off and just that time of year, guess what? Dirt comes in, and it needs to be swept again. And in some ways, it's unproductive. Because guess what? In probably two days, it's probably going to need to be swept again. But you know what? It is a purpose, and there's a reason for it. But we don't want our lives to be that way. We don't want our relationships to be that way, right? We don't want to keep in the same cycle or the same um, broken relationship. We want it to increase. We want it to get better. Again, that relationship with God is the same way. A couple more verses. Hang in there with me. It says, But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Right? He's forgotten. Forgotten what God did. He's forgotten the promises. He's forgotten that, you know what? My sins have already been taken care of on the cross. And I think one of the other things that we do as believers, and we're going to do it this morning, it was a great lead into this, is communion. For us, it's a good reminder. We actually talked about this yesterday. We need these reminders. Right? Communion's reminder that Christ paid for our sins on the cross. We don't have to keep paying for them. They're, they're paid. They're done. They're nailed to the cross. We live under grace. We have that assurance. So it's been cleansed. That gives us hope. Because again, if we forget that, we're nearsighted. We're, we're, again, that's going back to that ineffectiveness. If we're still hung up on our past, we can't go forward in our future. Right? Stuck in our past, we can't go on in our future. Applies to many areas of our lives, but sometimes folks are stuck and they get, they get stunted there and they cannot grow. They can't go beyond that. We come up with all sorts of reasons, but again, it more it's back. 
And lastly, these last two verses. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. You will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Picture that for a moment. You do these things and you are faithful throughout your life when you enter the kingdom of heaven. It's going to welcome you there. We all long to hear those words, right? Good and faithful servant. Guess what? That doesn't come without some work and some effort. But that's the goal. We'll receive that. We'll hear that. Again, not salvation's done. That's, that's part one. But the welcoming part, we want to hear from our Lord. We want to just slide in by the skin of our teeth. We want to go there and be welcomed. Again, there's great hope in that. And that's my hope for you this morning, that you take that and take that message and say, you know what? God, just continue to do that work. I know I can do this in your strength. And rely upon God. He gives us that power. His divine power has given us everything we need. So let me leave you with that this morning. Just bow with me quickly. Well, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift that you've given us and the power you have given us. Lord, help us to live lives that are productive so that we may be effective for the kingdom. Lord, continue to remind us that you did the work on the cross for our sins, and Lord, that we have the power to live godly lives. We have the power to, to love one another as you called us to love. Lord, continue to encourage us, continue to watch over us, continue to protect us in those areas that we're vulnerable. Lord, continue to do your life in and through us as a church body and in my own life, Lord, as well, that I continue to grow in my relationship with you. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.